Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Uh, let me give you a little clue. We don't have it all right. We're working on it. There's some stuff we just don't do right. Now, why don't we have it all right? Because you're here. I have it all right. I just can't get it to you. No, you know better than that, don't you? So we have many other wonderful churches that do some things different. In the non-essentials, we're going to disagree on some stuff. And you're going to see why I'm saying this. Because in a moment, you know what Paul's going to say about these people? Who cares? They're preaching the gospel. And that's all that really matters. One of the problems the church has is with the walls put up by the individual church assemblies. Differences in style and culture are used to create a we versus them attitude. This is completely contrary to what Jesus prayed for in his famous John 17 prayer, the opposite of the unity Jesus wanted for his church. Pastor Mark is teaching about the Apostle Paul's focus on having the gospel advance throughout society. He didn't care about getting credit or whether he even knew the individuals who were taking Christ to the people. He only cared that the name of Jesus was being spread. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 3 of his message, Advancing the Gospel. So now understand what's really happening here. There's two groups preaching the gospel in Rome, in the church. They're preaching the real gospel. It's right on gospel. One was preaching with good motives. The other group of people were preaching with bad motives. Selfish ambition, jealousy, competition. It seems, we don't really understand it, that they were jealous of Paul. Maybe his, you know, if you mention Paul, people go, man, that's the Apostle Paul. He's an amazing teacher. Whatever. So they're jealous of him. And they're trying to oppose Paul. They're actually rubbing salt in his wounds. And they're kind of saying this, Paul, oh yeah, we know the Apostle Paul, but uh, he's in jail. I'm not sure why he's in jail. Maybe he's in there for a reason. Maybe he really isn't as good as you think he is. But while he's there, we're going to advance the gospel without any influence of Paul. So they're kind of, we would say today, rubbing salt in Paul's wounds. Now, how can that be? What in the world is going to go on? And really, what is he going to say? Now, let me explain something to you. They're both preaching the true gospel. Their doctrines right on, but their motives are different. Now, today we have churches that don't treat and don't preach the true gospel. If that was what was happening here, Paul would write to it. He was dead on for doctrine, but it was not. They were preaching the right gospel. What does the wrong gospel sound like? You'll hear this in many churches. Here's what the wrong gospel sounds like. Um, all roads 
lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Jesus is one way to God. There's many others. And by the way, it really doesn't take any of that. If your good outweighs your bad, you're home free. Now, you've heard all of those. What is that? That's the un-gospel. You know, seven-ups, the un-cola. That's the un-gospel. It's not gospel at all. But that is not what's happening here. The gospel that both of those groups are preaching is right on. It's godly. It's based in Jesus Christ alone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Can't come to anyone else. That's the only way to get to God. Now, when I think about this envy and selfish ambition, could that be happening in any of our churches today? Yes. So I want to speak to you out of my heart just for a moment. It'll be quick, but I want you to listen to me. There's lots of different churches in our communities today. Wonderful churches that are preaching the gospel correctly. And yet they, in many other areas, they do things a little different than we do. Different music, maybe they have Sunday school the whole time. and what They just do a lot of different kind of things. Shorter service, no Wednesday nights. Who cares? We have to be very careful. We don't become territorial, jealous, prideful, calculating, self-promoting. For some reason, at the moment, God has made Calvary Chapel in Brevard County the biggest church in all Brevard County. God did that. We didn't do that. And so we have to be very careful. We don't look at other churches. Well, if you want to get it right, you better come on down to Calvary Chapel. Uh, Let me give you a little clue. We don't have it all right. We're working on it. There's some stuff we just don't do right. Now, why don't we have it all right? Because you're here. I have it all right. I just can't get it to you. No, you know better than that, don't you? So we have many other wonderful churches that do some things different. In the non-essentials, we're going to disagree on some stuff. And you're going to see why I'm saying this. Because in a moment, you know what Paul's going to say about these people? Who cares? They're preaching the gospel. And that's all that really matters. So, don't misunderstand. We have other churches in the community that teach the ungospel. Don't go in those doors. But we have many other churches that just do church a little different than us. Some of the things we would definitely disagree with because kind of they're not right in the Bible. I was watching a movie last night and this person died and they were praying over them a final prayer and it was definitely not biblical. But there's other stuff they do right. And if a church is teaching the word of God and they believe in the gospel and people are getting saved, then go for it. It's okay. So we can't be territorial here. What if in a few years into this community, he brings another church. They do things different. They have a younger pastor. Of course, not as good looking, but uh, that's all right. And all of a sudden, they become 50,000 people in Brevard County. And people are getting saved like crazy. How would we react? Well, they can't really be teaching the word over there. Really? See, it's easy when you're the big boy. Paul was a big boy. They were jealous of that. Don't ever become territorial. 
Don't ever go them and us. My friend, if they're preaching the real gospel, they're us. We're part of the body of Christ. When I was in Asia with Linda, I was teaching 15 pastors. There's no denominations there. All kinds of beliefs. Pentecostal, charismatic, no spirit, whatever. I mean, a million different things. I just taught the word of God. We're one. We're going to be together. Now, you're here because we believe certain things. Right on. Praise the Lord. We're as close to heaven as we can get. No, I'm just kidding you. We got some things definitely right, don't we? What Paul's going to say is, be careful. Don't be divisive. And here's something I want to say to you with my heart. Let's be known for what we're for, not what we're against. We're for Jesus. We're for the Bible. We're for grace. We're for salvation. Let's be known for what we're for. Some of you come out of denominations. Some of you never heard of denomination. Praise the Lord for you. Some of us came from all kinds of stuff. And when you end that denomination, you had to sign these things. I won't do this. I won't do that. I won't do that. So the church was known for what you didn't do. By the way, when you signed that, most of us sinned because we went out and did them anyway. But I wanted to be a member of the church. Praise God we're past that. Amen? We're past it. So God can use any people... Anywhere, any church, and in fact, much of the world, he meets people into Christianity without a church. Because there's nobody there. There's just God. So relax. We're on the winning team. Now, Pastor Mark, why do you say that? I say it because the Apostle Paul tells us how to react to that kind of territorial prideful jealousy kind of stuff in the church because that's what was happening in the church of Rome. Look at verse 18. Paul says this, what does it matter? C'est la vie. Who cares? I don't really care. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that in every way, now this statement is a shocker, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. Now that's a challenge. They were personally after Paul. But they were preaching Christ and people were getting saved. Paul says their motive's wrong. Watch me. Their motive's wrong. God will take care of the motive. I can't take care of the motives. God will take care of the motive. But they're preaching Christ. Go for it. It doesn't upset me at all. Whew. Whoa. How can Paul say that? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. Paul taught us that no matter what circumstances come in our life, no matter what circumstance, God's for us. So we can have joy. Remember this one? Remember this statement? Life happens, but God is for us. Enjoy. What do you see at the end of that? You see a little smiley face. How many know what to do with a smiley face? You smile with your face, your own face, and you turn to your neighbor and say what? Joy. Go ahead. Front, back, all over. Mean it. Hallelujah. By the way, any of you have some circumstances this week you needed to practice that with? Yeah, I heard one this morning. But let me tell you what Paul tells us in verse 18. It's even more 
difficult than circumstances. Write it down. We can be joyful in spite of people. That is hard. Because, see, people hurt us. We all want to be liked. People hurt us. They're against us. These people were saying vicious things against Paul. He knew they were against him. And here he is in jail. He can't do a thing about it. And yet, he says, it doesn't matter. I can still be joyful because the gospel is being preached. See, and the other reason you have to understand this is God put Paul there. I don't have time. That's another whole teaching. But he set him there. So God knew all the circumstances and God knew the people. That's a hard thing to do is to be able to be joyful in spite of people. Some of you will have to practice this. By the way, there's a smiley there. Come on. See, if you say joy in here, can you have to? You missed it. Am I right? Let's say joy again. Come on. Joy, joy. Turn to your neighbor and say joy right now. Joy. Ask him right now. Are you one of the people that's going to steal my joy? Go ahead. Just ask him. Ask him. Are you going to steal my joy? Now, some of you are sitting next to somebody that stole your joy this morning already. So ask their forgiveness. All right. Go back to verse 16 quickly. We passed over it. I want to come back to it. Paul says this. I was put here to defend or make defense of the gospel. The word is apologetics. Paul says, I understand that Satan is going to use whatever means he can to stop the gospel. To stop it from being shared. Circumstances, motives, people. He says, I'm smart enough to understand his play. I'm going to defend his play. Paul says, I'm going to defend the good news. I'm not going to get sidetracked with personal issues. See, if Paul gets over there thinking about these people, he stops sharing the gospel. Because all he's focused on now is these people that are against him, but they're really sharing the gospel. So he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm here to advance the gospel. I'm here to defend the gospel. And the only way to do that is to be joyful that Christ is being preached. So I want you to write this number two down. We must learn to defend the gospel. It is powerful. And it will change any life. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. That word is our dynamite word for the salvation of everyone who believes. Doesn't matter who. In our campuses this morning, there's many of you that have never believed yet. You can believe. Your life can be changed. It's for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. Paul understood personally how powerful the gospel was. He was a prime example. He was persecuting believers when God offered him forgiveness and a change of life. So as Paul begins to think about this defending the gospel, he says, Satan wants me to get sidetracked with these issues. I'm not going to get sidetracked with them. I'm going to still advance the gospel. Paul says, I want to keep the main thing the main thing, because I'm not ashamed of it. It is the only power of God to change a life. Here's number three you want to write. Keep the gospel the main thing, no matter what. Forget about circumstances. 
Forget about people. Forget about whatever keeps you from advancing it, defending it. Just keep the gospel the main thing. Because that's the only thing that's going to change our world. Now, what does Satan do to us today to keep us from accomplishing these three things? Well, sometimes we fear our abilities. Pastor Mark, I, I can't share justification and glorification, and you got to be kidding me. No, you don't have to share that. Just go to Ephesians chapter 2 and share it with your friend. They were born like you in sin. Satan's ruling their life. Nothing good can eventually come from it. They don't have peace. They know that. They're searching. Jesus Christ came to die for them. All they have to do is believe, have faith. God gives you the faith, and then God will give you the gift. You don't even earn it, but he'll give you the gift, and you're saved. And you can then start serving God. Share it from your heart. Don't worry. You won't have all the questions, answers to the questions, but God does. Number two, sometimes we don't share the gospel because, well, it's about a cross, And it's about a crucified Savior. That sounds strange, doesn't it? But the raw power of the gospel, even though it sounds too good to be true, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you and then believe and he changes it. That that can't be. It's like one of those infomercials. That's not going to happen. No, it is going to happen. That's the raw power of the gospel. By the way, share your own testimony. How God changed you. And third, sometimes we... We don't share the gospel because of fear of failure. Pastor Mike, if I do it, and what if they don't say anything? What if they say no? What if they shut the door in my face? It doesn't matter. When God opens the door, just share. The outcome is his. We don't save anyone. I can't save anyone. But God's been speaking to hearts all day. Because, see, his word never returns void. It's alive. It's powerful. That's what you share. Not your like cool testimony that you have. I mean, the way you worked it out, just right with the right words at the right time and whatever. Somebody wrote me the other day. They said, we had a little debate and I thought it was a great question. You must practice your closings. <laughs> no, I don't practice my closing. I have an idea what God wants me to say, but then I let the spirit finish it. Because see, it's not about my closings. It's about the power of the word from the opening to the end. Do you get it? Do you get it? Now, we want to be like the people at Rome, bold in our witness. And I want to share you a true story, and I want you to listen to it. It happened in the 70s. It's true. It's 100% true. And I want you to see the love of God. This man writes, I was driving down the street in Santa Ana in an area of older homes that had large front yards. I felt God was telling me to stop and yell in a mailbox. Jesus loves you. I'd only been a Christian for a couple of weeks, and I thought that was totally crazy. But I couldn't get it out of my mind. So he says, I stopped on this street. I looked around. I didn't see anyone. And right in front of me was one of these large mailboxes in front of this huge home. So I got out of my car. I put my head in the mailbox. Picture this. And I yelled, Jesus loves you. 
He said, I didn't realize it, but the mailbox was like a megaphone. It amplified all the way up and down the street. And he says, I ran from my car. Because I'm figuring if somebody comes out, I'm in trouble. He said, but as I ran from my car, the man from the house in front of the mailbox came running after me. He said, I was going to take off in my car, but I afraid he'd get my license, call the police. So he stopped and he went over and he said to him, sir, I'm, I'm very sorry. I'm a brand new Christian just two weeks. And I thought God told me to yell in your mailbox. I've never done that before and I'll never do it again. I promise you. I have no idea why I was so loud. Please don't call the police. I'm leaving now. True story. And the man said, well, wait a minute. Don't apologize. I've been going through a difficult time in my life. I lost my family. I lost my job. I lost my friends. And I finally decided that I didn't want to live anymore. So I climbed on a chair in my house, put my head in a noose, that was tied to the beam in the top of the roof. My final act, words, was to say, God, if you're really there and you care about me, you'll have to tell me right now. And he says, as I finished that sentence, I heard this loud, echoing voice. Jesus loves you! True story. How much did God love that man that was lost, that was about to go to eternity with no hope? How much did he love him? Enough to say to a two-week-old Christian, I want you to yell... What if the young man had not obeyed? Do you realize all the what ifs that happen when we don't obey? You see, this isn't the first time God would do this. Now, he's not weird. But in the Old Testament, remember, he said the children of Israel marched around Jericho seven times. What? See, when God speaks, he's the boss. We're the servant. And he's speaking to us to be ready for open doors. Because people are leaving this world without hope. They're all around us. You have the answer. You have the gospel. It's a big deal. And sharing the gospel is a big deal. Because only you can do it. Only I can do it. That young man was used by God because he was obedient. Don't write God off. He loves the whole world. And we want to hear testimony after testimony of people coming to Christ because we were bold enough to share the good news. Today, Pastor Mark taught about one of the problems in the church, which is people with the attitude of exclusivity. They only want to share Christ with people if they'll then come to their church. The Apostle Paul's attitude was the opposite. Just come to Christ. The rest of this stuff will sort itself out. This is how we should approach the sharing of the gospel. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This finishes the teaching, Advancing the Gospel. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the sermon, Living and Dying for What? He'll be challenging us through the life of the Apostle Paul to learn to live life to the fullest. He did that by first loving God and then trying to love people the way Jesus does. As a result, he was able to lead people to Christ no matter where he was. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.